0: Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing, from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois, and I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management we will be answering your questions and we hope that as you learn more you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know hey i can find that special photo that i've been looking for
1: good morning susan happy new year
0: good morning allison i hope you enjoyed the holidays, this time of year can be chaotic, especially if you've got family coming over or taking a trip.
1: I know it's very, it's totally crazy. We're actually um, preparing for a trip that we're taking over the holidays and where I will hopefully be when this drops, uh, enjoying some sunshine. But it is very hard to believe it's already 24, 2024. Yet here we are. And I'm very excited about today's episode. We have talked a lot about tech recently uh and today we are heading back into the realm of stories and how to preserve the stories of your loved ones and who knows maybe you just spent your holidays or you're listening to this now with family and you're learning some things about family that you didn't know and so i am just super excited to talk about all of that with today's guest
0: Well, it's very poignant and good timing, especially after we had the interview a couple of months ago with Sharon Wonder and talking about how to preserve your family legacy after you're gone and the different tools and ways and approaches that you might be able to do that. Somebody shared with me a a podcast called um, All There Is by Anderson Cooper, and that really was fascinating to me. I found a lot of great information in it. Um, It is um, for those listening, if you haven't heard it, um, it's a wonderful podcast, especially if you're dealing with some grief over the loss of someone you love in your, uh, in your life. And um, what, uh, what it started uh, or his initial intent was for himself, just to record uh, the fact that after his mother passed a few years ago, Uh, Of him finally getting up uh, enough, um, I guess I just call it nerve, to go back into her apartment and to look through her belongings and figure out what to keep. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know uh, if any of our listening audience have have, um, had that experience where, you know, someone in your family is gone um, and now you're having to go through their belongings and they're not there to tell you what's what's important anymore um i know with my uh parents uh both of them have passed and i have found things in their uh nightstand drawer uh wrapped in a cloth in a box and i don't know the significance of it but clearly it was important because especially on my mother's side my dad was the hoarder. He loved to keep things and he was always finding things in trash that he knew he could fix and reuse and repurpose. But my mother was, you know, if you don't need it, get rid of it. And um, I know when I was uh 18 and we moved to Hawaii, we had to downsize our life because it was very expensive to move things uh, across country and, and to a tiny island in the Pacific. And so I'm pretty sure they got rid of a lot of stuff before we made that that trek, And so the things that my mother kept um, really had to have some important significance to her. And I have a few of those things that I don't know what those stories are. So now I want to just document where I found it and that all that stuff I just told you, it must be important uh, for my mother uh, to have kept it. So this app that um we're going to talk about here um was developed by our next guest and um i'm sure she had uh her reasons for doing that and so we'd like to welcome heather nickerson great
2: thank you so much susan allison pleasure to
1: be here today with you all yeah thank you for joining us heather um And just a little bit of background, you know, we met at the photo managers conference last April, but you're not a photo manager. You were there to actually give our keynote speech on privacy and you showed us all this app that you've developed. Um, And it was it was pretty funny the way we met, actually. But let's start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and we'll go from there.
2: Sure. Sounds good. So I have a very, I think, unconventional background for being now a patented SaaS technology platform founder. So I started my career with the Central Intelligence Agency, and I spent nearly a decade working as an analyst serving both here in the U.S., but also overseas. Um, I did a tour in Afghanistan as our presidential daily briefer the commanding general in country, com ISAF. And I also spent two years working on an executive order task force at the White House during the Obama administration. So that was my first career. I was then headhunted out of the CIA to go run and grow a private security firm. And I like to think that as my second career. I spent nearly a decade there running and growing the firm, but also towards the latter half of my time there, started doing a lot more work with families And understanding that one of the biggest security threats to them was actually their privacy or lack thereof, especially when involving young and teenage children. So at the time, the privacy field was relatively new. And I did a lot of work helping families protect their privacy, protect their information. I even authored a book on how to protect your privacy. And from there, um, moved into COVID. Uh, The world changed as we know it. And what also happened during that time running and growing that firm is my mother passed away. And because I was a senior executive running and growing a private security firm, I had very little time to process the grief and essentially all the stuff that went with losing a parent. And because I was the eldest and the only girl, I've got brothers, but I'm the only girl, they turned to me and said, good luck with that. And I had to figure out what to do with all of my mother's stuff. She left us 6,000 square feet of stuff and she had an estate plan. So the accounts, the property, that was all taken care of, but it was the end of the day, it was the stuff. So that's what led me to my current, I think I think of it as my third career, but my current role as co-founder and CEO of Artifacts. And that's spelled dot scom
1: I am all for. We are all for second and third careers on this (laughs) podcast. As both Susan and I are both there, right there with you. So we're going to spend most of the time talking about artifacts and and all of the you know keeping all the stories and things behind it. But I want to back up for just a sec because your background is fascinating, Um, and you know privacy is something that I. Also care very much about have done some speaking on etc. and I just wanted to relay one very funny story, literally about how we met was I gave a talk at our conference on you know one aspect of privacy we don't need to go into details there now but and there was this you know woman sitting towards the back very soft spoken and she had some great comments throughout and we had all this great discussion and you know we. I introduced myself, or maybe you did after, and then I find out your incredible background, which you just relayed to us. And I have to say, I can't remember whether I told you this, but I was so happy that I did not know your background before I gave that talk, because it would have made me pretty nervous to have you, the expert in the room. A
0: little intimidating, yeah.
2: (laughs) A little bit. Well, I would say Allison you're also an expert especially in the the topic you were discussing and I loved your presentation and it was it was a great way to meet and now being able to collaborate on the privacy advocate course for the photo managers it's been it's been a real joy getting to work with you on that and have a fellow privacy advocate so
1: yeah, it was fun. And this is the last thing that that I'll say on this and then we'll we'll move on. But we do have a course for the photo managers and that is actually open to anybody that Heather recorded most of. I did a part. We'll drop the link in the in the show notes. Um because it's something that, you know, I feel very strongly about as does, you know, all three of us do. But it was a very very funny meeting. And Heather also gave our our keynote on privacy during that conference, which is how we met. But as mentioned, you were also there because of this Mm -hmm. new app. Um, Actually, how new is it? When did you launch it?
2: So we launched it in, well, we started the company December 2020. The app was formally launched in August 2021. And that in itself is a really interesting story. So we had beta in May, 2021, and we invited 125 people, friends, family, and also complete strangers to join us for beta to test out our new app, Artifacts. And we thought we would run beta maybe for six weeks and get a lot of feedback. After two weeks, we had nearly every single beta member ask, when could they give this app to their family, their friends, their loved ones? And at that point, my co-founder and myself, We both stopped and were like, whoa, we are on to something. How quickly can we get this out into the marketplace? So we ended up wrapping up beta after only two weeks, but phenomenal feedback. And then we doubled, we had at the time, three full-time developers. So we doubled down, we hired an additional three developers. We had a six-person full-time dev team. And we worked around the clock to release the app. And it's it was a soft launch. So it didn't have all the functionality that it now has, but we released it on August 26, 2021. And we've been off and running since then. So
1: how did you come up with the name?
2: That's a great question. So for us, it was there's many factors in the name artifacts. We leave out that second A. Again, it's spelled A-R-T-I-F-C-T-S. And that's on purpose. Um, It's because we like to say we're redefining artifacts. When you hear the word spelled correctly, like A-R-T-I-F-A-C-T-S, typically you think of something that's got to be in a museum, or it's got historical significance, or it's got incredible monetary value. There's something like there's some heft to that word. And at the end of the day, like one thing I learned from going through my mother's stuff is that sometimes it wasn't the things that had the most significant monetary value or the things that I knew were the family heirlooms, it was the small things, you know, Susan, to your point earlier, the small things she kept in her bedside drawer or the things that she buried in the back of a closet that she held onto for decades and to me, those were really important pieces of her life because she had kept them and she had cared for them. But I had no idea what those actually were, like why she had them, what they meant to her, you know, what she would want to do with them in the future. So when we were building artifacts, we wanted a place where essentially all of us every day we have stuff from travels, we have kids' art projects, we have mementos, like we we keep things because of the emotional meaning and the memory attached to them. And Again, they don't have to be museum quality, but they matter to us. They have meaning to us. So the name was very intentional. We also, when we're thinking about the name, we did a lot of um, market research into companies that are able to scale very efficiently and effectively. And it's a common trend to have a name that can be made into a verb. So you think about Google or Snapchat and Snap or Twitter and you tweet or Wicker or, or things like that. Um, and for us, artifacts, it, it fit that requirement too, because it's become a way of life. We say we're artifacting or I artifacted it, or it's very much, you use it in many contexts. It's not just a, you know, a, a long name of a company or um, it's it's more than just our company name. It's an actual action people can take. And then the third, being a former recovering CFO and president of a security company, we knew how important trademarking and intellectual property protection is. And we also learned seeing what happened back in the day when Apple became Apple, you can no longer trademark a common word like that. So we had to get creative, which is why there are so many companies and so many startups nowadays who leave off a vowel or leave out a letter, or they smash two words together. Because if you're able to have, if you want to have that trademark and that IP protection, you need to have a name that is defensively yours and uniquely yours. So for us, artifacts hit all three categories. It was really core to our mission, which is helping people capture, preserve, and share the history, stories, memories, and value behind all their stuff, regardless of what it is. It was able to be used very easily in context. Again, I'm artifacting or I artifacted it, or let's go artifact together. And then, of course, because we did leave out that second a, it's uniquely ours. So that's that's how we got to the name. There was a lot of thought and many months went into it, but it was it was a fun process
0: that's that's I really appreciate that background. um and and being in um it for over 35 years in the last 24 before i retired for local government i also um can appreciate your privacy background and i really appreciated your uh talk um you hit all the key points that um i had uh been uh training on uh for our employees at our our organization and was part of the security team in our it department as well so i I know the potential of what can go wrong, uh, personally and in an organization. So, um, I, I didn't realize when you were speaking, you were also part of, uh, the sponsor, uh, table. And so that was, yeah, that was kind of like, okay, cool. Um, but what I think I'm missing is in your story, um, could you tell us like what, Actually caused you to like come up with an app because there's so many other ways to find something in your in your home that you've inherited and take a picture of it.
2: What what makes this? Why did you want to do it this way? I guess. Yeah. So there are many reasons why we built artifacts the way that we did. And we do have a website. We have a fully functioning website with an amazing amount of content and checklists and just ways to interact with the platform. And then we have the app because the app is the really, it's the easy button, right? We all have our phones with us. They all have amazing cameras on us. There's functionality. So video and audio, like all these things are in our pocket every single day. So the app makes it easy. But for me personally, it was, I was going through my mother's stuff. And about seven months in, I was in her closet on the floor, absolutely in tears because I was holding a crystal vase and I had no idea what the vase meant to her and what she would have wanted me to do with it. I knew there was financial value. It was a Tiffany's vase. There's The fact that it was financially valuable, it was easily able to be recognized, but I didn't know, should I keep it and pass it on to my daughter or should I sell it? Should I donate it? Like, what happens to it? And for me, my mother was, I think a lot of people or people can relate to this. My mother was a keeper. So she oftentimes would keep things that she loved, but she would never use them because she was terrified of breaking them or destroying them or ruining them. So for me, I didn't know had she kept this vase because she loved it so much, but yet she never used it because she wanted to make sure it got passed down to me and my daughter. Or was this a vase from you know, crazy Aunt Mildred, and my daughter, my mother really could not stand Aunt Mildred? And had I kept this vase, she'd come back and haunt me for years and years and years down the road. So <laughs> it, it sounds silly like, I talk about this. like I, it sounds absolutely silly of all the things why I triggered on a crystal vase, but that was the, the that was the breaking point for me. and I was like, I wish my mother was here to tell me the story. And I wish I knew what this was. And when I thought about that, my first reaction, you know, being an analyst in my first career and then, you know, running companies was like, there's, there's gotta be a better way to do this. There's gotta be, I went looking for a tool that I could use. So as I was going through my mother's stuff, I could record my story, my memories, and then my daughter would never have to deal with this issue. And I spent two years doing research and I couldn't find any other company dedicated to stuff. There were a ton of companies that did photo books or memory books or apps to record a memory or apps to record a video or an audio or there were so many ways to either record the memory by itself or use photos to elicit the memory or even write a book. But I couldn't find anything that connected the stuff with all the other details, the story, the history the value, the what happens to it next, all of those items. I couldn't find anything that would connect the dots that would be useful for what I really wanted it to do for me. And at the time, that just seemed so simple. Well, it's, you know, the stuff outlasts us, right? Like we all have stuff and when we're not here, our stuff is still going to be here. Like we go to museums to look at stuff (laughs) and learn about people and cultures. (laughs) Like it's the stuff's here. Like that's the giant elephant in the room. You know, we pay thousands every year for storage units. It's You go on and on about stuff. And I just realized there had to be a better way to deal with our stuff. So when I was looking, when we were looking at building artifacts from the ground up, we are custom built, which is we're really proud of. We're patented. We spent a lot of time building the platform. We wanted something that would be as easy as social media to snap a photo, add audio, video, add a story, and you're done. We want to be able to go back and edit too, because all too often, if you're making like a photo book, it's really hard to go back and edit. You've got to reprint the book. Or if you're doing one of those life memoir books, again, once you've told the story and you've clicked print, you've paid for it, you're kind of stuck. And then also with books, it's really tough because there's just one. So in my case, we had three siblings, like we had siblings and we had items and you can't divide a baby grand piano. Like there's no cutting it in 4th doesn't work that way. My brother got the piano, which is great. He's the only one that can play it. But anytime I want to go back and see it, I can log into my artifacts account, see the piano, actually hear him playing on it. And we share the memory of our mother and this piano.
0: Oh, that's a great example.
2: I love that. So we want to be able to share. So the fact that we can record and preserve the memory, sharing is a really big piece of it and sharing digitally. And we knew that there had to be an intergenerational component to this too, where you have a lot of grandparent, grandchildren pairs. And again, that's very hard to do if you're scrapbooking or if you're making an actual like a photo book, it's usually it's one person taking on that burden. So with artifacts, you can collaborate together. So it's, although maybe I was the one taking the photos and and actually making the initial artifact, my brothers, I could say, hey, dear brother, I'm giving you editor access, add to the story and we could collaborate together. We also wanted a very easy way to search because that's the problem nowadays, right? So on your phone, I've got twenty thousand pictures and counting, probably ten thousand of my daughter. um It's really hard to find like the one photo you're looking for, or the one thing you're looking for. So with Artifacts, we built in custom. We have custom tags. Think of them as custom folders. You can type in your tag. I have one for mom's recipes, mom's estate. I have one for my daughter, like all her kids are, is called, that's my girl, but I type in her tag and up pops everything. So we wanted a very easy way to search and find stuff. Cause if you take the photo and it has my mother's closet, I took the photo 20 years from now, how on earth am I going to find that photo? And if even I remember like, that's the other piece too. So there are so many pieces for why what was currently in the market just wasn't really what I was looking for. And then the other big piece of this, so you, you capture this, right? You spend time documenting, taking photos, adding audio, adding video, adding the story. The next piece is in my mind was the, so what, like now, what do I do with it? It's got to do something because it's still here. So for us, it was the, in the future field, but when you're making the artifact, you can go in and even note, like in the future, donate, sell, keep in the family, bequeath, You know, too late, enjoy the memory, but it gives your family a roadmap, which I can tell you after seven months of going through my mother's stuff, what I would have given for a roadmap, even if it was just, you know, 10 items, like do this with these 10, it would have been 10 less things that I, you know, cried over or grieved over because I didn't know. So when we made artifacts, it was, there's a sentimental preserve the memory, tell the history and the story. And then there's the very functional, what do you do with it? And that's also where we then have our free valuations. We partner with Heritage Auctions because a big component is sometimes you end up with this stuff and you have no idea. Great grandpa's stamp collection. Was he a hobbyist and it's you know worth $20? Or was great grandpa a really good stamp collection and it's actually worth $20,000? Knowing that information, knowing the actual value, help you make a decision of what do you do next so we have all of those pieces built into artifacts so for us it was really how do we tackle the stuff problem while still preserving the memories and the histories and the stories and all the fun stuff but it couldn't it had to do it had to do more for us than just be that's a nice photo of you know mom's face so that's that's a long answer but that's how we got to where we are
0: no i i I appreciate that. And it really uh, actually my mind just started like firing on all cylinders about how uh, others could use this, including, um, you know, you're probably aware of the the fires on Maui that devastated the town of Lahaina. I used to live out there and uh, that really hit home for me. And in 2021, in December, here in Colorado, we had those other devastating fires between. They called it the Marshall fires between uh, Superior and Louisville, uh, where over a thousand businesses. I'm sorry, uh, that mostly uh, residential areas, so a thousand homes, but there were also businesses uh, included in that that were destroyed, and many, many people um, uh, in that fire. We didn't. We we. Uh, I think there were two souls lost. Uh, here in colorado um uh in comparison to to maui but uh it, people lost everything in their homes and many of them were not home to even pull out that one picture of grandma or grandpa or that be- that beloved item uh or animal or pet or whatever and so it was just devastating and what i learned from that was that what the insurance company asks of you mhm you cannot even imagine how to like, in your head, remember what items you have in your home and what are valuable. So after that, there were a lot of threads on social media and in the news about uh, the struggles that people were facing by having to fill out um, tons of paperwork to get um, in the insurance money on the things that they lost and you know, we all uh, who have um, home or renter's insurance, there is a line item for things. And I thought, you know, um, they recommend that you walk through every room and just videotape and uh, take uh, verbal notes of what's in the room and what's important. And, you know, I thought after those fires, oh, I'm going to do that, you know, and I started to do this comprehensive home inventory and it was daunting. Yes. So this almost takes... Like that idea of home inventory, but you don't have to do the TV and the the bookcases and mm-hmm. things like that, you can focus on the important things um, that you mentioned, not only for, um, you know, memories and stories, but for legacy. And then with a a a, a little twist for insurance, right? Mm-hmm. If you document, exactly. take a photo and have that appraisal, uh, now you've covered that one other aspect.
2: Yes. And that's exactly, that's a very, so during our beta, we actually had a CEO of an insurance company be part of beta and he was mm-hmm. giddy because there are a ton of home inventory apps out there, right? But no offense to any of them. They're usually pretty dull and boring. And it's a tedious two point season. Two point, Susan. It's tedious to go around the TV, the bookcase. It's, it's not fun. So with artifacts, because you get that that fun side, like tell me the story, tell me the history, add the video too. Like you have a really fun and engaging way of essentially doing a home inventory without realizing you're doing one. Yep. Typically our users, our members, it's the heart value and the financial value. And you think about after a natural disaster or any type of just unexpected life event, It's those things that either have tremendous heart value, first and foremost, like that's what you miss and that's what you want back. And sometimes there's no way to replicate them or get them back. And then the other thing is the financial value. How do you document for insurance? So we actually, one of our very functional pieces of artifacts is that with a click of a button, you can export your entire collection or a single artifact to your homeowner's insurance policy. Same thing with your estate plan. So again, we wanted to build a platform that had, once you make that first artifact, there are so many things you can do with it. And we currently, we we do work with a couple of um, insurance companies. And one of the things that they love is that they can go and for the, what they do is they gift artifacts to their clients. And they say, go home and artifact anything over X amount of money. And their clients will do that. But then they also find the clients are artifacting the things that have that tremendous, we call heart value. And for them, it's if you ever have to file a claim, you have all the documentation and artifacts. You have all the details. You have photos, you may have video. We also have a section to attach documentations. Maybe it's a receipt. Or or a certificate. Yes, exactly. It's tribute to authenticity. So like with jewelry, like a lot of people will artifact their jewelry boxes. And it's a great way if you, even if it's not a natural disaster, if you're out on the beach and you're swimming and you're in the Outer Banks and your ring slips off, if you've artifacted it, and you have the details, you have the photos, you've attached the documentation, you click and send to your insurance agent. We've gotten feedback from those insurance agents that say it's less than 24 hours to process a claim versus what could take weeks and weeks and weeks of trying to prove one, you had the item and two, yes. it's gone. So yes, I'd
1: like to, to make a distinction because a lot of what we talk about on our show is preserving the stories behind the photo or the video or something like that. And what you're talking about is a little bit different. So what you're talking about is not, you know, let's preserve those 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 photos and those stories. What you're talking about, and your app is not designed to do that. It's not a photo storage app at all. They're completely (laughs) different purposes. What your app is the things and i just wanted to make that clear just because we do talk a lot about the the photos but you're not nobody is going to i wouldn't i would assume that nobody is going to start putting their entire photo collection in there their
2: videos no
1: it's just not what your purpose is
2: Exactly, but what we found working with photo managers and even like downsizers and organizers is that people will artifact. Maybe it's their their top ten or top twenty. If you if you paid money to make that gallery wall and you have all those beautiful photos, awesome. Artifact them. Add the story. Add the video. Add the audio. We even have an ability to print off QR codes, so pop it on the back of the photo. Because although we say photos are worth a thousand words, they still can't talk. And a great example is I have this old photo of my mother. I love, it's from her early 30s. She's a sideways profile shot of her on the summer day. She's got this gorgeous smile. I have no idea where the photo is. Like I know nothing about this photo other than it's my mother. But because my mother looks very different then than how my five-year-old daughter knew her before she passed away, my daughter could not tell you that was my mother in that photo. So one generation removed, my daughter had no idea that was my mother. And that's the bit for us where, again, we're not we're not saying go upload all 20,000 photos to artifacts. If you've got a story behind every single one you want to do it, there's nothing stopping you. But that's not, we are not a photo storage site. There are amazing companies out there dedicated to photo storage and photo organization. We're really here to ensure that the really important photos, the really important video snippets, the really important stuff is documented. And for us like that, in my own case, you know, if I make a photo book, I now pop an artifact's QR code into it because I may have a photo and a small caption, but then if I have the artifact's QR code, it pops the video. So if I've got a photo book, my daughter's skiing, awesome. Here's also the video and the audio and the trail maps and everything else that goes with this that I can't put into the photo book. Same thing with gallery walls or old photos. It's it's really, yes, we are designed to be stuff first and foremost, but typically the stuff includes bins and bins of photos. So as Kathy Nelson, CEO of photo managers would say, if you're going through the ABC process, you know, for us, the artifacts is really at the top of the pile of like the, what you're going to keep. Like the, we're the tip of the iceberg. So think of us for kind of those, again, top 10, top 20, whatever that happens to be. The ones that have the family histories, the family stories, the memories, the ones you want to make sure the next generation knows the kind of the who, what, when, where, and why behind it all.
1: It and, really, yeah, it forces you to be intentional.
2: Yes. So and I the mean, other, there's
1: nothing wrong with keeping all of those 50,000, 100,000 photos, but.
2: Exactly. You,
1: they have different, they have a different purpose. Yep.
2: Exactly.
0: The other thing I like is that you can have more than one photo of something, including, as you said, attach a video or an audio file. And so, you know, again, uh, the things that I began to capture using the app, um, uh, and document for future generations, uh, for myself and my family, I realized then, you know, gosh, not only, uh, you know, initially what I've been doing is doing the the speech to text just mm-hmm. to initially grab the, uh, yeah. the description, because as you create something, you need to fill out obviously some required fields. And so I do the speech to text and it, it gives me the description I want, but I thought, wouldn't it be nice to capture a voice recording. And so, you know, I could do a video of me standing in front of the item talking yes. and then upload that uh, that video file um, with the same image of the item in the description.
2: Exactly. And that was a big part, like back when we we're talking about how, I, how we designed this at the very beginning is I wanted a space to connect the dots. And oftentimes a photo is just one piece of the story. So maybe it's a recipe and then a photo of us all eating the dish at Thanksgiving, and also Grandma talking about, "Well, this is how you actually really need the dough. It's not that way; it's this way." And then maybe you have another something else you add to it, but it's you're putting it all together in a multi-dimensional way. That's it's different than a photo book, or it's different than just a framed photo, or it really does allow you to to pull the pieces together and and I think to tell the story. And again, go back and edit. If you remember new things, go back and add to the story, go back in your case, Susan, like you get down the description, the story field really quickly. You can always go back over time and keep adding to it as, you know, new things come up or new memories surface. Like that's, that's kind of the beauty of why we built it the way that we did is that We're still, you know, we're, we're alive today. Like we're artifacting today. It's not about just what happened in the past, but it's as you go through kind of your own life, it's telling your story, which is really important. The other thing I want to note too, is that we've talked a lot about the things you're passing down for the next generation, What really surprised us when we built the app. And I still remember about a month in, I got an email from a member who was like, the only reason I've been able to downsize my mother and move her into assisted living was because of artifacts. And I was so confused. I was like, really, why is that? So of course I asked and she explained, well, she wouldn't be able to part with the stuff otherwise. And at first I was horrified. I was like, what do you mean part with the stuff? Cause like, in my mind, like as, as a founder, you have your natural, I think um, kind of biases of how you're designing or building this product. And she explained to me that they're artifacting and they're keeping the memory, but now they're donating and selling and, and getting rid of the stuff. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's so different than what I thought was actually going to be like. This was going to be used to work. but it's also it was it was really neat hearing how it enabled because it's in this case they weren't actually keeping the stuff; they were keeping the memories memories
0: of the stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's that's an interesting use case for sure. Um,
1: We've seen that um, with photos too because people don't and and kids, you know, yeah. next generations they don't want the boxes of a lot of things. I mean, some do, but I think a lot of them don't. And I, that does help bridge the gap, you know, from the person who owns the stuff who may can't really consider parting with it to the, to the kids who don't want it, but they Mm -hmm. do want the memory. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is a great use case. Yeah.
0: And so when you talk about, um, your app and the, um, you know the the reason you're using it is to describe things for when you no longer will be here and and perhaps what your family can do with it um your app i'm guessing has a legacy contact or a way to invite family so that uh, mm-hmm. someone else can uh, continue to perpetuate the app
2: yes so of course so being privacy and security first and foremost We had not just one legacy contact. We have two because we know that you put time and effort into creating your artifacts. We never, ever, ever want them just sitting there in cyberspace. So we ask you for a primary and a secondary. So in my case, my husband's my primary. My daughter is my secondary. Um, We also have, there's a, a bunch of features about how do you, if you're artifacting something to last for generations to come, how do you go about doing that? How do you share it? Um, We have the ability to do, you know, make your own private family sharing list. So rather than individually sharing each artifact with, say, all 10 members of my family, every time my daughter makes a new art project, I can click the list, Team Hazel, and off it goes. We also have, um, we call them their invite-only circles. And the best way to think of a circle is a group chat about stuff is the best description I can give it but you invite members, friends, family, you name it to your circle. And then you can artifact, they can also artifact. So you're all contributing artifacts to the circle. But when you share with the circle, everyone gets a notification that you've shared an artifact. So for me, what I've done over the holidays is I love hosting, entertaining. So like for Thanksgiving, I'll make a Thanksgiving artifact circle. And all the recipes, either ones that we make or ones that people bring, we all artifact the recipes. Everyone has access to it. The wine, even grandma's china gets artifacted, but all the pieces that make up our holiday celebration, they're all part of that circle. So over the years, we can go back and see like, oh yeah, that was, you know, Thanksgiving 2022 or whatever it happens to be. So there's there's lists, there's circles. And then we also have um, the ability to create artifacts in Remembrance. And we do work very closely with the National End-of-Life Doula Alliance and a lot of end-of-life doulas. And we understand the importance, especially if a loved one's in hospice, having that quality time, sharing those memories while they're still there to share them. So we have the ability, you have the ability when you make an artifact you can share it in remembrance. And what that means is the artifact itself gets a little black band on the upper left-hand corner. But then when you share it with them, think of it kind of as in lieu of giving flowers, give an artifact, you're giving that memory, that memento, that moment in time that maybe only you are the one that that has that memory or has that, um, the history of the story, you're giving it to the family. And then that stays essentially in their accounts for perpetuity. So as long as we're here and functioning, you've got those in remembrance artifacts, which is a really beautiful way of when you're thinking about celebrations of life or other ways to commemorate um, folks, even pets. This is one of those things where we never expected. Again, there's a lot of apps out there for pets, but people have artifacted their deceased pets and memories of pets and mementos. It's just, it's things like that where you're just, it's amazing. I think when you build something you release it essentially into the wild, how people adopt it and use it for kind of their own use case. So
1: I love that. So I have a, a question and a comment about that. For the the comment is more, it seems like such so often after somebody passes, somebody will, you know, collect photos or or videos mm-hmm. of that person and they get shared. But this seems like a, a much better way to bring that alive because of the connections between the different things or different photographs. So I love that. Going back to your, the sharing and the group. So one of the things that drives me insane about a lot of photo apps, which I never will recommend because of this is if you say you create a, a circle or a group I can't stand when, so say I, I create a group of, of Susan and, and Heather and me and um, I share some things and then Susan says, sorry, Susan, I'm about to throw you under the bus. Susan says, I'm going to invite my friend, you know, Christy, because she'd really like this and I think she should be part of this circle. I can't stand when there's no control, when the original sharer does not have control over whether Susan can or cannot share with Christy. So do you have things built in to Artifacts um, that give you the control? So yeah. that they can't just spread the tentacles out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's a great question. And given background of privacy and security, everything we built at Artifacts from day one has our members' privacy and security first and foremost. So we have throughout Artifacts. There's many layers that enable you to decide if and when you want to share. So everything you make on Artifacts is private by default. That is the default setting. There's no need to toggle a switch or click a button or scroll through fine print to figure out how do I keep this private. No, by default everything is private. We even note in our member agreement that you retain the copyright. This is all yours. And that's one of the reasons why we also, slight tangent, but why we also, when you make an artifact, you can download it anytime in the original format. We don't compress files, audio, video, photos, nothing is compressed. You get everything back the exact way you upload it into artifacts. And you can even print off a beautiful PDF of the completed artifact that comes out kind of like a, a storybook format. That's but, huge. Yeah. So we we take privacy and security first and foremost. Allison, specifically to your example with the circles, yes. So, as the owner of a circle, if you create the circle, you are the only person that can add others to the circle, unless you were to give Susan admin control. If you give Susan admin control and she decides to invite Carrie, and you're not a really big friend to Carrie, you can take away Susan's admin control, so she can't invite anyone else in the future. Carrie is still part of the circle unless or until you kick Carrie out of the circle. Now as a sole admin, but. That is how we work at Artifacts. We have essentially multi-layered control for each step of the process. Even when sharing, the default share essentially function or view is viewer. When you share an artifact, you're giving someone view access to it. So they can't edit. They can't delete it. They can't mess around with it. It's yours exactly how you created it. But we do know, I mentioned earlier, sometimes the ability to collaborate is really nice. So you can give someone editor function and they can add to the story. And it's a great way to say, dear brother, fill in the details I forgot, over to you. If you wanna take it a step further, and this is what it's my husband sometimes, is we can also give someone full control. So the artifacts is view, editor, full control. Full control means he can add photos and video. He can totally edit or rewrite my text. He can even delete my artifact if he wanted to. Um, but that's it again, it's up to you, the user, to decide what level of trust, what level of access do you want whoever you're sharing with to have that access. And it's no different in circles, no different with um, essentially anything you do in artifacts. It's always you, as the user, are first and foremost, and you are always in control of what you share, who you share it with. Um, even the ability to pull it back. If you decide, nope, no longer sharing this with you, delete (laughs) it. And if they have access to it via a link or a QR code, the beautiful things about artifacts is that if they go and try to re-access that link, some companies don't actually kind of update those links. We do. They're going to get a a nicely designed, but still it's going to get a giant padlock saying, you know, you do not have access to this artifact. If you want access or you think this is a mistake, please contact and they'll have a link back to you. Um, Allison to contact you to re-request access. So we not only do we do it on the front end in developer speak, we also take care of it on the back end. So again, any of those decisions that you make on the front end are translated onto the back end. Again, if it's an old link or an old QR code or whatever that happens to be. So we really, we really do take privacy and security to heart at all that we do at Artifacts
1: that is so incredibly important for a number of reasons. One, and we'll have you back at some point and we'll do a whole privacy episode, but you know, one of the things that I don't know that people always realize is when you send out a photo or a video or something and you text it somewhere or you whatever, once it's out of your possession, it's out of your control completely. And what you're talking about in artifacts, a bunch of things. You're not just talking about memories, but on the financial side, there can be some, you know, you're cataloging, mm-hmm. you could be cataloging a lot of very valuable things in your mm-hmm. home. And if somebody got hold of that, yes, that's not information that you want to be sending out into the world. So I knew you would have all of those controls. I was not worried about asking you that question, <laughs> even though we did not send it to you in advance. Um, but
2: super, super important. Thank you. And and one thing to add on that about the valuable items. So in artifacts, if you go to create an artifact, you're going to see there are a handful of fields um, that are, we put guardrails on them because we, I spent 10 years being a privacy expert and teaching people how not to overshare. And I can tell you right now, people still overshare no matter how much they do. It is an ingrained habit with us in social media. So we built artifacts, we took this into account. So we, we put what we call kind of guardrails on certain fields. They're optional, but you can put in the value if you want to, you don't have to. You can put in location which is a great field because some people, I mean, I'm super specific. It's, you know, the top drawer of my jewelry box and the front hall. Like I just, I go through exactly where this is. No questions asked if I got hit by a bus tomorrow. Others are like, it's in house A, it's in house B, whatever, but locations a field, And then also the in the future field, those are all padlocked. So even if you choose to share and you give someone view, edit, view access or edit access, they don't actually get to see what's in those fields, value, location, and in the future. It's only if you give someone full control that they actually see those fields. And that's a really important, and of course your legacy contact can see those fields. You know, there's, that's, that's how we ensure the legacy piece goes on. But when we talk about everyday sharing, we have a lot of uh, folks really into genealogy who use artifacts and they do a lot of sometimes crowdsourcing of family history. And the last thing we want is you putting out, you know, you've got great grandma Nellie's diamond ring from the 1890s and it's three carats. And here's the details. It's here's the value. Here's the location. And this is what happens to it in the future. We don't want that out on, you know, a social media genealogy research group. That's why we have those guardrails. So even if you choose to share with the world, make your artifact public and share as wide as possible, that sensitive information is still going to be protected. You still have to take an extra step and give people that full control access to view those really sensitive details. So we've, we've tried to, not just privacy and security, but also human behavior and trying to help people be more secure, be more private, even if they aren't always thinking of it first and foremost.
1: That's amazing. I love that.
2: Thank you. I
1: love that. I'm not surprised coming from you, but (laughs) we'd like to cover all the bases.
2: When we were building artifacts, it was that if you remember early 2021, all of the social media giants were on the hill being grilled because of what they built and how it is essentially a privacy sinkhole. And there are a lot of negative. I think unintended consequences from using a lot of social media platforms. So when we were building artifacts. We were paying very close attention to what do we not want it to be? Like what we wanted it to be was very clear in our minds. But we also had to think about what do we not want it to be? And that's one of the reasons we don't have likes and comments in artifacts. If you're taking time to artifact a personal piece of your history, a story a memory, and you want to share it with your family just because you're, you know, your brother, this happened, your brother's having a bad day. We don't want him saying, well, that's a stupid artifact and commenting it. And then it's stuck on your artifact or him giving it like a thumbs down. Like you just don't, you don't want that. Like these are your, it's what matters to you. So we purposely took out or never built in some of what could be perceived as the less desirable parts of social media. And that's why when we talk internally about artifacts, we call it human media 1.0. Like we're hopefully defining and creating something that enables us to be essentially the core of being human. We're telling stories, we're sharing memories, we are being social, but with also a good dose of privacy and security and, you know, being just being good humans is at the core of it. So that's, that's where we went with it. So the, what we built and why we built, is just as important as what we didn't want to build. So can you talk a
0: little bit about the future and uh, this big grant you received?
2: Sure. So another part of what we built and unintended, like where we never expected it to go. So we... And I have to tell the listening audience, you just lit up big time (laughs) by that question. Yes, she did. This is where I get really giddy. So from day one, we've been a partner with AARP Age Tech Collaborative. We went through their accelerator program. Um, We pitched, we got in, went through the accelerator. We've been working with AARP now for as long as we've essentially been in business. Part of that work with them is that we've had members in the 50 plus community who've come to us, who have loved ones going through mild cognitive impairments, dementia, Alzheimer's. And we have heard anecdotally, but we've heard firsthand how artifacts has helped them, um, how artifacts makes their day easier, how artifacts has helped the entire family. So we think we're on to something in the brain health side of this. So this past summer, we applied for and got accepted into a program from the Massachusetts eHealth Institute. And our proposal was a project to study brain health and specifically whether or not the art of artifacting, making an artifact um, can be an early screening tool for mild cognitive impairments and dementia. So we are now partnered with the UMass Chan Medical School out of Worcester, Massachusetts. And we are currently conducting a pilot study to see when you make an artifact and you take an audio or a video, um, how you describe how you tell that story the audio cues, um, we're doing the study to see if that can be an early screening tool. Um, there's a lot of literature in the medical field that shows there's essentially, I think it's 14 different data points in your voice that can be, when combined, um, have a 97% correlation to making an accurate Um, initial diagnosis for a a mild cognitive impairment, dementia, or Alzheimer's. So can artifacts be used to do the same exact thing? Because with artifacts, you can't cheat and chat GPT your artifact. Only you have that memory. Only you have that story. You can't ask like, hey, you know, insert your chat GPT choice device. Tell me the story behind this. It's got to come from you. It's got to come from memory. So can artifacts be that screening tool? And what gets us so excited, why it lit up, is right now, the earlier you get diagnosed with a mild cognitive impairment or dementia or Alzheimer's, the earlier you can start treatment and slow progression. But there is a tremendous backlog in the US for getting those screenings done. And there's no fully accessible screening tool. It still requires a medical appointment, usually with a series of doctors. Um, the UMass team right now, since they're working on the brain health piece of this, and they have a machine learning algorithm to identify the, the verbal cues and indications, but they're doing it with an interview. So it's a doctor's appointment with an interview. You think about that kind of that stovepipe, that funnel of people who are waiting to be screened, but maybe can't get the appointment for six months or eight months or nine months with artifacts. If we're able to come out of the study and say, Hey, artifacts. Yes. The audio files, we, you contribute to your artifact when we're calling for memory, they have the same efficacy or essentially the same ability as the questions asked during that interview process. The fact that we are a commercially built, fully accessible platform, that just, it opens up the doors. And you just think about how many more people, you could start doing a yearly brain check, make five artifacts, click the button, off they go to UMass, they go through their screening tool, and you essentially get a Thumbs up, like you're just you forgot where the car keys are, but don't worry. Or hey, you should go talk to your primary care doctor or, or someone else. But it's that whole being kind of that pointy tip of the spear when it comes to how do you screen and diagnose. We have so many preventative screening measures for everything from, you know, blood sugar, glucose to um cholesterol and heart disease, but Brain health is wide open. And if if we're getting those anecdotal stories from our members who are saying, hey, I'm, I'm seeing stuff with artifacts, like we, we're we giddy because we think about just how many more people we could help and how many more people could get screened and start getting into that habit. And not only that, but if you're to go through the screening process, you actually have to create the artifacts. In doing so, you're preserving memories like at the very beginning. So it's not just waiting until, oh my gosh, grandma got the diagnosis of Alzheimer's and that's so sad. And now we've got to start artifacting. If you've been doing this for years before, it's, you've already captured so many of those memories and those family stories and histories, and now everything else is just building on top of it. So we are super excited. Um, We are, we can't wait for the results. We'll be out later next year, but we think there's a lot of potential for using artifacts as a brain health screening tool. That's fascinating.
0: Really fascinating. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you. It's again like it never. we never set out to build a brain health tool. But again, it's because it's it's object-based. You're 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 having to recall from memory, you're having to tell stories. And there is, we do know there's medical literature that shows objects trigger the same neural pathways as sense and music. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of music therapy now for if you have a cognitive impairment. Um what about artifact? Like we've been thinking about this all the time, just how many neat ways it can, it really can help people. And because we are privacy and security first, it's that whole, it all comes together and it's, it does make us really excited. So (laughs) that's, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah. It'll be so fascinating to see what the results are.
2: Yeah, we are, we are standing by and, and really looking forward to it all. And, I'm very thankful that UMass selected us to to partner with on this and very thankful to Mihai, the Massachusetts eHealth Institute for the grant to enable us to fund the study. So it's really, it's, it's exciting and we'll see, we'll see what's next.
1: Have you actually started the study or is this upcoming? We will be
2: recruiting participants in the coming months. So we, you have to, because we're using human subjects, you have to go through the entire, it's called the Institutional Review Board. So we have to go through that process, which is very lengthy and involves a lot of um, both legal and also on the, the medical, you can imagine, side of just getting approval for everything. But we hope to kick off um, the study in early 2024. 20, um, so actually ongoing, creating the artifacts, um, doing the all the study protocol. And then we hope to have results ideally by mid, mid 2024.
1: Wow. <clears throat> That is amazing. We'll have to, when, once your results are out, we'll have to either have you back or Susan will have to make a little note that we'll have to let people know where they can find the results and what you learned. Yeah. right. Especially
0: if any of our listening audience would like to participate too.
2: Yes, that is very true. Um, if they do let us, please contact us. Um, I can pop the email, I can send to Susan and Allison. but that would be great. We're um, we love folks who are engaged and, and want to be involved, especially in brain health.
1: Well, we'll and add any, any links into our resource page so that, so that people can find that.
2: Yeah. And also,
0: you know, if there's anybody out there that would like to ask us any questions, we have a, a form on our, uh, website, inside photoorganizing.com. uh, feel free to reach out to us. Maybe if you are using artifacts already, you know, share with us um, how you are using it. Maybe your use case is something um, Heather hasn't even thought of yet. Um, and if you'd like more information about um, this uh, uh, upcoming project uh, that uh, her company is having uh, with the research uh, study program and you need information, we'll we'll uh, be able to connect you with Heather. Um, and And again, you know, when we talk about all these things, you know, I would like to know, <clears throat> um Allison and Heather, what what in your uh collection do you have that's not maybe so valuable, like if somebody was to walk through your home, but
2: has value to you? <laughs> Um, should I go first, Ellen?
1: <laughs> yeah, why don't you go first? And this will be, so normally we do a, what is the strangest photo or item in, in your collection? Mm-hmm. But I think this, this month uh, we will expand the definition a little bit. So
2: yeah, you can go first. I've got two things and I can't choose between them both. The first is one of my things, is that my pair of hiking boots, they are hideous. They're held together with duct tape and super glue. They currently are retired. They serve as bookends on one of my bookcases, but I had these boots for 20 plus years. They've been everywhere in the world with me during my career at the agency. So, Afghanistan, um, North Africa, Central America, Europe, you name it. They tell my story. And every single member of my family knows if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, they could sell pretty much everything else, but they better keep those boots. Um, so that's that's me. Like those boots are me. It's my story. It's where I've been. And they represent if you just you can conquer anything if you take it one step at a time. On my mother's side, I have kept, you know, downsizing of 6,000 square feet into 2,000 square feet which is where I currently reside in Washington, DC, Um, you physically can't keep everything. So I had to make some really tough choices. But one of my most prized possessions from her are these antique cookie cutters. And I don't think they were new with her. I think they were old when she got them. I don't know the story behind them. But my story is that every holiday season, we would make these sugar cookies. And it was a recipe that she had doctored over the years, although technically it's in the cookbook, it's really not. Um, but I, I know it by memory. I was very thankful that I knew it by memory. Um, but they are, they're dented. They're tin cookie cutters. They're dented. They look like they probably, they aren't probably even good enough for Google. If my, if my daughter had to go through my stuff today, I can guarantee you those would be tossed in the trash. They wouldn't even make the donate box. But to me, they, they represent so much of my mother and my childhood and my memories and our traditions. And of course they're artifacted. And again, the entire family knows like there's a really special meaning behind the cookie cutters. And my daughter has already claimed the cookie cutters. Like she's already told, you know, like, Nope, hands off. These are mine. (laughs) I get them, which I happen to love. So it's, I've got, it's the boots and the cutters. Neither one has any financial value whatsoever but both have tremendous heart value and tremendous stories and memories.
1: And so I preserving the stories on that is so important. Cause you're right. If somebody was going through your stuff
2: mm-hmm. after
1: you're gone, they're probably not
2: keeping either one of those things. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and the jury's still out. if My daughter will ever keep those hiking boots, but <laughs> she has the artifact. She's got the world map of where they've been. She's got the photos. She's got all the details, she may not want the boots and I, I wouldn't blame her. They truly are hideous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hopefully they don't smell. It's just, I'll, I'll say on that. <laughs> <laughs> so mine are, um, there, That's actually two things that are related because it's one memory that has two parts. So one is this set of six little tiny wicker hats They are like a dark gray color. They're tiny. They fit in the palm of my hand. Each one has a different sort of ribbon around the brim and they're actually not hats. You actually flip them over and they're coasters. But because drinks, when my grandfather had them glasses and things were so much smaller, they would fit in there. And now you look at it and you can't even fit a, you know, a 12 ounce can in there. But The reason why they're so important is my cousins and myself and my brother used to gather at my grandfather's house, and we would take those little hats and we would flip them into a very special trash can, (laughs) which is also somewhat ugly, but has the initials AF on it. And I've always wanted that trash can. I now finally have it. Um, But we would sit there, you know, when we were kids in the old house, flipping those hats into the trash can. (laughs) And neither, none of those things have value financial value, I would yeah. say, but I have both of them in my house and they definitely need to be artifact, <laughs> artifact head, I guess.
2: Artifacted, Yes. They sound Artifacted, like yes. artifacts.
1: <laughs> yes. All right, Susan. So what's yours?
0: Um, again, yeah, there's so many things I could pull out, but I think one was, uh, seeing this, uh, retirement gift. My father, uh, worked a career as a, um, as a firefighter in for the city of Dearborn in Michigan, uh, while we were growing up, and uh, when he retired, um, s- someone in in the department had created a unique retirement gift. It's a um, matted uh, piece of artwork, and it's a it looks like a fire truck, but the design is created physically from a bunch of watch parts. And uh, the last position he held was he was an engineer, so he used to drive one of the fire trucks. And so that that connection there is really cool. And then on the bottom, it's handwritten, you know, the day of his retirement and thanking um, uh, him for all of his service. And then there's a, a clock next to it. So um, when he passed, that was something that I uh, I told my brother, okay, I want that, <laughs> that <laughs> right there. Um, and so I, I have that. And again, I, I you know, there's no uh, monetary value to it. It's, it's sentimental about his, his career and just growing up with, you know, stories that he shared and, and his love of, of that service.
1: I love that all three of these examples are actually not financially you know, viable. And what's interesting, though, is the way you pull all of that stuff together with your app and the whole idea behind it is the value that people put on things is, in, in my mind, the value of those hats in that trash can is equal to some of the old jewelry, for example, that I have from former family members who have since passed on but all of that gets equal value in my head. Um, And you have a way to capture
2: that, which is just so interesting to me. I love it. Thank you. And that it goes back to, again, why we took out the second A of our name, because again, all of these things, what we shared, probably none would end up in a museum, but for us, they are museum worthy. They they tell our stories. They are the artifacts of our life. So that's, again, that's why we, we all have stories, we all have stuff. And it's so important to take a moment and just document what's what and why it matters. And, you know, if you're going to keep it, like, tell someone why, like, why should they care? Because otherwise it's just stuff. You've provided the ability
1: for everybody to have their own little museum. So a little Heather museum and an Allison museum and a Susan museum, I think. Um, this was this was so great. I I hope our listeners get as much out of it as I did. Um, every time I talk with you, I learn something new. In fact, every time we do a podcast, I learn a gazillion new things. So that's nothing <laughs> new there. But um, I loved hearing about your story and you know having you on today. It's just incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Allison. It's been a pleasure speaking with you both, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you in person again in April at the Photo Managers Conference and. Until then, hope we all stay in touch.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm uh, going to the conference as well. So and and I I uh, echo everything that uh, Allison said. I I just love these uh, opportunities to sit down and have a conversation with our guests and and this one was special. So thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you both. Wow,
1: that was amazing. I I love talking to Heather and I mean she's so smart and her background is unbelievable. I mean, I don't know too many people of I don't know any other CIA agents, former CIA agents, I have to say. Um,
0: So you're enamored with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say when (laughs) I and when we first met her at conference, you know, I it I would have been so intimidated had I known she was in the audience when I gave my talk and yet if you see her, so you should all go to her website and I think there's a picture of her on the website somewhere. Probably. Um, you'll see she is the least intimidating looking person you've ever met, but with that background, I certainly wouldn't want to cross her.
0: (laughs) That's probably true. That's a true statement. Yes. But I, I love the different, um, paths that this conversation took because, um, you know, I didn't realize that, um, you know, you, the insurance companies could use this for evaluations. I mean, I was making those comments just as a, as a way for me to use that tool. And then here she was like, yeah, there's actually insurance agents that are recommending this app to their, their clients, you know, like who would have known I was mind blown and the, the dementia, uh, research, another mind blown, uh, conversation,
1: yeah, I didn't know that about the insurance either. We learn something new every time we do this, which is why we do it. Um, but I am certainly going to reach out to my own insurance company now. So am I. <laughs> hey, can you do I do want to add one thing, uh, because I don't think we mentioned this anywhere. But um, we invited Heather on because we think it's a really cool product. And neither Susan nor I make any money from it. We're not promoting it for that reason. We just both thought it was really interesting. And Heather is really interesting.
0: Correct. And there are other ways to, of course, document things of value for your insurance company. I'm sure there's apps that they can recommend and, and there is a fee to this, uh, app, but again, we tie it to the stories. We tie it to identifying things that people may not think are valuable in your home and what the story is. And when you can add your audio to it, when you're gone, that just adds even more value, uh, for your family of you describing uh, that item in your home that you treasured
1: yeah, video and audio and of course the photos and whatever else you want to add. Now, if she could (laughs) figure out a way to add in taste and smell somehow to document with that, (laughs) that would be pretty amazing. It's probably coming.
0: That, that is true. Yeah. So yeah, just a fantastic, um, Conversation. I, I love talking with her, and um, so knowledgeable and unassuming as you. Yes, <laughs> as you she pointed is pointed out. So,
1: so we'll have all of the resources as usual mentioned um, on our resources page at www.insidephotoorganizing.com. So things mentioned in this show and heather has agreed to also show a link to her hiking boots artifact so if you want to see the boots check out go on over to our resources page and click on the link
0: yeah that that'll be fun i can't wait to see those <laughs> well my dear thank you for another lovely conversation with our with a new guest
1: so fun so fun. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this one.
0: All right. Until next time. Until next time. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month.